Everybody, it's Jesse, and you are listening to List It, my podcast, where me and a guest rank and list and debate things in pop culture. And I'm very, very excited about the show today. Not just the topic, but the guest. He's one of my favorite artists, uh, and, and I'm not alone in that. Rolling Stone recently called him one of Americana's most popular stars. Uh, his his latest album, Dragons, it's one of my favorite albums of the last few years, and we're actually going to talk about it coming up. His also, him and his wife Ellie's Kitchen Sessions, live music that they've been playing on social media, on Instagram, have been one of the few highlights of 2020. It's uh, If there's anything that's good that's come of, of everything from the past years, that we've got to get some, uh, to experience some live music in cool, interesting ways. And his upcoming A Neighborly Christmas is going to be one of the highlights this Christmas season. I already know it. I'm a big fan of of his music and a great guy to talk to, Drew Holcomb. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. How's it going? Good to be on. Thanks for having me. Good, dude. Yeah, man. Well, man, I'm really excited to to have you on. And, uh, you know, when when the the tough thing about, you know, we we, with this show, each guest, I try to find an interesting topic. But I felt like yours was was going to be pretty easy because uh, you're one of my favorite uh, kind of Americana folk artists. And today we're going to be breaking down some of our personal favorite folk songs. Um, But, dude, it's it's been, you know, kind of a crazy year for everybody. Um, But I do feel like the live music that you guys have been doing has just been, like I said, sort of this like highlight breath of fresh air that people could stumble on 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 Instagram. Tell me a little bit about some of the, you know, what it's like being an artist kind of in the era of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's been incredibly bizarre. Um, There's a lot of sort of reinventing the wheel, you know, because I mean, the primary way that we, you know, make a living as musicians is on the road. And so obviously everybody's had that sort of pulled out from underneath them. And yeah. You know, at first we're like, oh, it's just going to be a couple months. And then it's like, no, it's probably going to be the whole summer and fall. And then now it's like, yeah, winter, maybe next spring. So, you know, nobody knows what's yeah. going on. And obviously we hope for um, everything to sort of level out at some point. And, you know, all these different medical, you know, solutions hopefully will, will be real. So, but in light of that, I mean, we started early, you know, as soon as it, as soon as kind of the world shut down in, in early March we started this thing called kitchen covers where, um, and it was honestly not like some planned out thing. Uh, the kitchen is the best sounding room in the house with all the hard surfaces. Yeah. And so we set up our phones and started doing a cover at night, every night. And next thing you know, we did it for like 45 days straight. Oh man. While everybody was home and and it kind of went viral. Uh, yeah. So we ended up using that as like a way to sort of try to make up some of the lost business of touring. And we did like a vinyl only release and yeah, um, recorded a bunch of them. And uh, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. We did some live stream shows. We did some of them for free at the beginning of the year and then did some full production band ones on this, this half of the year and then recorded this Christmas special. So, you know, it's uh a lot of reinventing the wheel or just like taking things we already did and sort of turn them into these online things. Yeah. And it's been, it's been cool. It's also reminded me of how much I really love like actually touring and, and yeah. playing in front of people. Cause I really miss yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know, today, you know, talking about, uh, you know, kind of really great, 
really well-written songs. And, you know, I, I've wondered this about a lot of artists, particularly artists kind of in, in your genre, which I feel like every every genre, their artists are required to have some degree of self-reflection. But sure. in kind of the folk Americana genre, it's that blending of self-reflection and looking at what's happening in culture and kind of social issues through the lens of, you know, an artist's kind of personal experience creatively not being on the road and kind of having time that, you know, you probably, I can only imagine an artist that, that works as hard as, as you have, you haven't had this kind of time in, in probably yeah, a long yeah. time. What's that done for you kind of creatively? Yeah. The, the, the kitchen covers thing was especially good for me because it forced me to engage other artists, but it started out mainly like originally the first few were like contemporaries. So people like the Avett brothers and and other artists that we've toured with and friends with. And then we also like immediately sort of pivoted towards like classic songs. So we've done everything from, you know, uh, Dylan and Springsteen and Tom Petty to, you know, Beyonce and Justin Timberlake and, and everything in between. And some of that was fun to sort of take these pop songs and sort of turn them into like sort of folky, you know, introspective you know, and then some of them were just like, no, nah, let's just have fun with it. Like Bruno Mars, yeah. you know, just like, yeah. but, it, you know, learning a song like, um, let's take both sides now by Joni Mitchell was one that I did. And it's a really difficult song, honestly, to sort of make my own her phrasing and, and everything is so unique. Uh, that, so there was like a great challenge in that for me every day. Mm. And it taught me sort of ex- expanded my horizons as far as what a song is and yeah. also how to make it my own which is sort of one of the great interesting things about covering someone is you, you don't just want to like parrot what they did yeah well we're going to break down some of our personal favorite you know songs sort of in the in the folk genre but you know obviously like i said you you've been recognized as one of the great americana artists writing music <laughs> right now uh you know so I'm sure you've kind of thought about this a lot, but to you, in you, into your, your, in your mind, what makes a great folk song to it, to you? Like what makes one that isn't, that really stands out and becomes memorable, you know, because there isn't really a formula like with pop songs. A lot of times there is that formula. It's like, Oh, they have yeah. the right beat. They read the right hook. It's got the right feel, but folk can go anywhere from like storytelling to, you know, directly addressing, uh, you know, like I said, maybe a contemporary kind of social issue to kind of yeah. be more esoteric thematically yeah. to you. What makes like a really great folk song? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, there's this great um, Louis Armstrong quote about somebody said, is your music folk music? And he said, uh, all music is folk music. I ain't never heard a horse sing a song. <laughs> you know, this idea that yeah. like, we're all folks so yeah all music is folk music but so i think i I would probably have a little like broader uh definition of what folk music is i mean as a sort of genre it's really not even that old of a genre it came about you know 20th century when people started sort of narrowing what how you define it but it's i i think that it's um it is i would sort of define it as like songs that kind of define uh, the human experience in very sort of particular ways that the the narrative, the the lyrical sort of narrative piece is the most important part of the song. Mm, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it's hard to define what makes a great song. I mean, some, a lot of the ones I've picked are ones that just like have these like, incredible sort of communal singing capacities. Mm. 
and yeah. or there's a lot of like there's obviously a social commentary piece um yeah. is, is important unlike i mean there are some great love songs that are folk songs but uh most of them are not love songs you know yeah uh, there's there's some that are in there for sure or if they are like some of the old classics like tom dooley and stuff like they're pretty sad and tragic yeah you know yeah like it really sad basically it's a guy you know or long black veil you know there's a lot of these like murder ballad you yeah. know i think there's just songs that sort of they, they there's they're, they're, what makes a good folk song is it, it could kind of speak to a, a, a many decades of time you know mm. like there's sort of there's yeah. a timelessness to them uh in, in in both sort of narrative structure and also the melodic structure that you can really sort of like thinking about like you know i'll just come out and tell you my number one i think no one would ever like argue this has got to be this land is your land you know yeah yeah that's on and my list as well yeah, yeah. it's like it's like yeah. this you know everybody relates to this song it's if you're paying attention you know that it's a social commentary but it's also just like you could sing that song in 1900 before it was written and it yeah. would make sense. And you can sing it now in 2020 and it still makes sense. You know, the Avid brothers have done a cover of it this during, uh, during, during quarantine. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, in some ways it's just like, it's a pretty arbitrary genre, but yeah. it's sort of defined by these sort of narrative personal stories that sort of span the survive the test of time. Yeah. The the other thing too, as I was kind of thinking about it and, you know, even artists going back to like Dolly Parton and, you know, mm -hmm. obviously like Dylan yeah. and, and Joni Mitchell folk song, there's really nowhere to hide, you know, like yeah, it, yeah, every lyric, sure. it, you know, like it, it be, partly because of just, it, it tends to be a bit more stripped down and kind of analog. But yeah. I think also just because it's poetry a lot of times and yeah, totally. every lyric holds a lot of weight where there's other genres where you can have a little fun and kind of get away with stuff and be silly or and kind of hide behind the noise and energy of it. But folk is seen a lot of folk music is so stripped down that you man, that, like I said, every lyric, every note really has to have a degree of intentionality, which I think it makes it a very fun listening experience like folk music. You can put on like Nick Drake in the background at like a dinner party and people are like, oh, this is good vibe. Or you can put it in with headphones and really absorb it and be like, man, there's yeah. some depth here, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, cool, man. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our list. Uh, I have five. I'll start, and then uh, we'll just alternate. And okay. uh, Drew, I'm going to start off on on one of your songs. One of my, one of my favorite songs has honestly been listed. Uh, I made your released top five. Last this, is, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I'm telling you, I'm I so listen curious. to this. I, I've listened to this song on repeat many evenings, and it's the title track off your latest album, Dragons. And I really love this song, and I, I love it on in the structure of a song. I, I just like the the feel for it. For people who haven't heard it, we'll, we'll play a clip. But you know, it really paints this interesting picture of someone kind of of someone on a journey who's visited by the ghost of his grandfather in sort of a, a kind of a dreamlike state, and. Yeah. The advice that the grandfather gives him is essentially to take risk, be present, don't be consumed about the anxiety of the present or even the or, or the anxiety for the future, but be present, take some risk and, and love sort of the romance in life. And yeah. I had my, my, my grandfather, um, both of my grandparents, I, I feel like really influenced the way that I feel, you know, uh, experience music. My grandmother grew up in kind of coal country in West Virginia yeah. and in Appalachia. My grandfather grew up in an orphanage in Maine. Oh, wow. Um, but at, when they kind of, after they, they, they both served in World War II and when they both left, they really just embraced life and kind of realized 
you know, th- that tomorrow isn't promised. And that's such a prominent theme in that song. And what I love about that song is you get to know this character at the at the center of it. And you also get to know, you get to, to understand the, the character's family legacy because he has this kind of free spirit grandfather that mm-hmm. obviously kind of he sees in this kind of vision dream state that his grandson has the chance to keep this spirit alive if yeah. he can look past the anxieties of the moment. Tell me a little bit about writing dragons. Yeah, I um, I sort of had a few of those chorus lyrics sort of spinning in my head, uh, mainly the, 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 the tag, go slay all the dragons that stand in your way. And I was writing with a friend of mine, Zach Williams from the Lone Bellow. Yeah. Um, uh, fantastic band. Um, and <clears throat> we were just talking about somehow the topic of our grandfathers came up and his grandfather, like mine was sort of this larger than life, you know, big fish kind of personality. My grandfather, I I lived six doors down the street from him starting. We moved there when I was five because I had a brother who was special needs and we needed sort of, you know, to be close to family for help for all his sort of various needs. And so I spent a lot of time with my grandfather and he was a surgeon. He, in 1968, he took his family to Africa for a year for him to do surgery over there back when that was very oh, wow. uncommon. Yeah. Uh, he was a, a World War II doc as well, um, operated. He was the chief of surgery uh, for all the war criminals in Tokyo after the war. Oh, wow. um, he played golf. He was a taxidermist for fun. He preached at this Baptist church like once a month down in Mississippi. I mean, he just had all of these like various hats that he wore and, and was just kind of a larger than life figure. And so growing up with him was obviously like a big, you know, plus of my childhood. And Zach had a very similar situation with his grandfather, you know? Um, and then I think both of them were kind of the personality that, you know, don't let like the details get in the way of a good story. Yeah. You know? yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That that's a hallmark of a lot of awesome grandfathers. grandfathers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, exactly. So, Anyways, I, my grandfather passed away a long time ago, like 16 years ago. Uh, but I was, uh, I had just an incredible amount of time with him before he died. Um, and so we just started kind of putting that idea into a song and yeah. And and the first form of it was not musically like it was. And so I, I took the lyrics home and sort of messed with it and came up with this basically like, I mean, the melody of the verses is basically the same as the chorus, but it's an octave lower, which is yeah. sort of a classic, like Chris Christopherson move, you know, yeah, Johnny Cash move. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely, you know, sort of a branch on the family tree in that song. But I remember the first time we played it was a Christmas show of 2018, I guess, right before we went in the studio to make the record. And it was part of our show where we usually go around one mic and sort of play like old school, just instruments and voices, no, nothing plugged in. And I said, hey, this is a new song. You know, it's just me and Rich and Nathan playing it, my band guys. And we played it. And after the first chorus, we got a standing ovation. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, this is something special. Here. Yeah, yeah, we're on yeah. to something here. This song seems to connect with people on a really deep level. And so um, I think that idea of, you know, slaying the dragons, everybody's, everybody feels that, you know, yeah. but sort of framing it in the com- in this conversation with my grandfather was pretty, pretty cool. And, and, and we'll make it a special song for me forever. 
Yeah. And I think even there's just something about anyone who's ever received a pep talk from a grandparent, you know, someone who's like, yeah, stuff, stuff right now is tough, you know, especially coming out of 2020, you know, life's been a little crazy, but when you, you know, especially it sounds like our grandfather's probably around the same age, um, you know, having served in world war two, it's like, they've seen some stuff and they're telling you like, Hey man, you got this. Like there's just something. And I think I know that was remind me dragons were released uh, towards the end of 2019 right uh, august of 2019 that's right okay the, so, so the song so, came out maybe in the summer but the album came out in august so so you know obviously before you guys could have, anyone could have projected what we were in for in 2020 but no man what a what a freaking great pep talk to just put on <laughs> on a bad there's been a lot of bad days where i'm like you know what if my grandfather were still around today what you know what would i leave because he you know the, the, oh, that whole generation went through their stuff what would yeah. they say and it's like okay that's a great just pep talk it's a great melody it's it's really and it brings you there man you feel kind of the cold rain through the window like a great song man congrats Thanks, man. on because I really feel like it's one of those things that this year needed was was a good pep talk every once in a while and that song really accomplished it I appreciate it take a few chances a few worthy romances go swimming in the ocean on New Year's Day don't listen to the critics stand up and bear witness go slay What's, what's number five on your list, man? So I'm going to go with uh, Carter Family, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Uh, a classic, yeah. A classic, yeah. And so I feel like there's sort of two different kinds of folk songs. There's like the 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 tragedy ones, like the Tom Dooley's and, you know, John Henry's, these sort of like, you know, intense, you know, some other, some other ones are like a little bit like that as well. But then there's also like the classic when I get to heaven, sort of. Yeah. Vibe, yeah. Yeah. You know? The great by yeah. and by type the of thing. By yeah. by, I'll yeah. fly away. All those yeah. like classics. And I don't even know who I, I'm assuming someone in the Carter family wrote the wrote, will the circle be unbroken. Um, but I think that song is one that like anytime it comes on, everybody just is like immediately like kind of like at attention singing along. Yeah. And it's also a really special song to me because I got to sing that song on tour with Willie Nelson. Wow. Uh, about four or five different nights. And uh, so that's obviously like that one carries a lot of, of deep personal uh, attraction for me. Lord, I told thee, Undertaker, Undertaker, please drive slow. For this body you are hauling, Lord, I hate to see her go. And the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by. There's a bitter home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. Who, I just had a curiosity between the two of you. Who, who decided, like, hey, we should play a Carter cover? Well, he does it every night. Okay. And so he does this... this um, mash not mash up but sort of like it's like i'll fly away i saw the light and will the circle be unbroken yeah. and so after like three shows with him i'd heard him do it every night and his tour manager was like hey do you want to jump up there and sing with him and i was like yeah great and he's like no <laughs> rehearsal just like when he does that part of the show just jump yeah. up there that to that microphone 
Oh and, man. And he'll welcome you out and you just kind of like follow along and sing along. And it's sort of the, you know, he has a lot of artists that come out to see him play. And a lot of yeah. times it's like old friends. And so that's sort of the moment that he can always be like, yeah, bring somebody up, you know? So, yeah. 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 Unrehearsed. And, and yeah, he's such a jazz singer that it's sort of hard yeah. to, you kind of just have to sing your own, you know, your own yeah. speed because you're not going to like match him just because he's yeah. kind of like, you know, we'll the circle. But but I mean, like, I feel like there's two types of like, uh, uh, you know, kind of gang vocals in folk music. One is like the Carter family, like the crisp nailed it harmonies that you don't even need instruments like just that, like beautiful sort of almost like you can hear it. The pews of like an old church creaking that they've rehearsed this so many times in that one setting where they just nail it. And then there's sort of that like it's a free for all, man. We're singing a classic song. You do what you do. Do You know, yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, because you, you have like the kind of the, the Carter family, Dolly Parton, like the, the really are, then you have like the Dylan side where it's just like, hey man, just let it rip and let's see what it does. You know, yeah, like totally. that. I mean, there's this great moment on Nashville Skyline um, on that record where he sings the duet of Girl from North Country with Johnny Cash. Yeah. And they totally don't sing the same words in the first chorus. <laughs> And they just left it, you know, they're like, nah, that's fine. You know? Yeah. 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 Magic moment. We'll just leave it in there. Every once in a while, I'll watch some like YouTube videos of like a of, of you know a festival or something where there's like a ton of artists on the stage and they're all like, "Hey, let's sing Leonard Cohen or something." And the while you can tell the people in the audience are like enraptured, like, "Oh my gosh, every artist I love is singing this song." And when you listen to it later, like on YouTube, you're like, "They're kind of all over the place." But that yeah. the energy no is meant to be for song. the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, well, it's a good choice. And dude, I'm sure you could do an entire podcast about. Uh, stories from the road of Willie Nelson. I feel like that should just be a spinoff series that you do. <laughs> well, it was really cool. I mean, he, um, the best part is I got to bring my family. And so the last night of the tour, Emmy Lou, my daughter was like three at the time and we we're holding her on the side of the stage and he does his thing. I just sung with him. He sings a couple more closes with on the road again. And then he's walking towards the bus and he just walks right past Emmy Lou, gives her a kiss on the cheek and says, good night, princess. And gets on his mm. bus. That's the last time we saw him. So that was like the perfect. Oh way man, yeah, yeah. What, what, cool. man? She'll carry that with her. I mean, he's a legend. He's an icon. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's so. probably the live. He and Dolly are probably like the living legends. You know. Yeah. In music. Yeah. Well, great choice on number four uh, or on number five. My number four is I have another contemporary pick and then I kind of go into the the classics. But it's one another song that I think it was released probably twelve years ago. Uh, Leon Bridges River. Um, oh yeah. Which I, I love. Leon Bridges is such a cool artist, uh, you know, because I think he does something really difficult to do, which is to mash sort of two genres. You know, he's kind of got the Motown vibe, but then he's also capable of doing what he did in River, which is essentially yeah. sort of a folk spiritual, really, yeah, uh, yeah. about baptism. Uh, you know, the the other thing I really appreciate about the song, it's very personal. It's about, you know, kind of the, the ability to find redemption and um, absolution from from mistakes in in sort of the metaphor of someone being baptized in a river. I love the imagery of it. I think you can hear the regionality of it. Like, I think that's one thing about a lot of great folk songs is like, you can kind of hear like, that's an Appalachian type of song or that's yeah. sort of like, well, Woody Guthrie is like, oh, that's definitely Dust Bowl country. You know, like you can kind of hear the regionality of it. But then I also, the music video of it, he really... Um, 
you know, which you, I think to really get the full appreciation of the song, watching the music video helps because he mashes it up with imagery of, you know, the Africa of some of the struggles of the contemporary African-American community yeah. uh, and really addresses social justice and this need for social redemption. But he paints it through the light of personal redemption. Uh, just a really cool song. Drew, what, what are your thoughts on, on Leon Bridges just as, as an artist? Yeah, I think he's amazing. Um I heard about him like when he very first got started, he was only playing like kind of around Fort Worth. And I told my manager, I was like, Hey, we got to get this kid to open our next tour. And he's like, ah, I don't know. You know, we got to find somebody who can help us sell tickets. You know, nobody knows who this guy is yet. Sure enough. Like a year later, he's like blown up. Yeah. We wouldn't be even like considered to be opening for him. Like it was like that quick, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, very few artists are able to pull that sort of explosive um, reaction to them immediately, like the, to their like debut music. It's like, I remember Mumford and Sons kind of had that same reaction. Yeah. Like I, they were on David Letterman and the next thing you know, it was like, bam, they exploded, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I think um, when that happens, what it says to me is that this music is sort of undeniable, you know? Yeah. And to be honest, I don't really love the way that song sounds like the mix on it. It's like real yeah. sort of lap, but it's so good. And, yeah. his, and his performance is so good that it doesn't yeah. matter because it's just yeah. it's such a great song. It's one of the ones we did for kitchen covers. And uh, it was interesting. We, Ellie and I both, I, I kind of got like pretty emotional singing yeah. the song, which that's also like a good sort of marker of like a really good folk song is is like does it does it stir something in you and yeah and you know the song itself the vocal just the the yearning for like you talked about just for absolution for um it's so good and there's something about the like the idea of a river in general yeah. it's such a big part of like american musical history um yeah. you know i was even thinking about Joni mitchell a lot thinking about thinking through this and yeah you know the song the river like there, there's just like the idea that you're going we named our son rivers so oh, obviously cool. like it's important sort of part of our own sort of family mythology or whatever as you name your kids is thinking about things but uh, i love that song it's a great choice take me to your river There's so many, this genre has so many artists like contemporary and classic, but it was like, man, I feel like Leon Bridges kind of for some people reintroduced this genre. So it's like, I kind of, and the other thing we're talking about too is like, what's so great about folk music is there's so many different types of uh, vocal collaboration where this one has the the chorus where really anybody can join in you know take right. me to, you don't have to be a good singer it's like it's not really about the the harmony it's more about sort of the community kind of church aspect of everyone's been in a well not everyone but a lot of people have been in a situation where you're just encouraged that someone wants to kind of have this spiritual redemption that it doesn't matter if your story's ugly or your vocals are ugly you just want to join in because it's a good kind of community thing that I feel like he captures what do you oh, have for number four on your list, Drew? So I, um, I think while it'd be impossible to say like there's one particular song, I think any any list to like any artist list that in this would have to be honest and put a Dylan song in there. You know, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm interested to see which one you picked because I have one sitting at the on uh, the top of mine, and I, I'm very curious yeah. because really there's so many from his catalog that that you can choose. Yeah, from. I mean, you really could go a million different ways. I, I went sort of obvious because I think there's yeah, I think "Blowing in the Wind" is like is is yeah. like the song that when you associate Dylan with his sort of folk phase before, I mean, he did kind of make a particular turn towards rock and roll, yeah. you know, at the Newport folk festival, which obviously I think that rock and roll is folk music also, but yeah, that's a whole nother, like, yeah. You know, faster tempo and electric instruments sort of deal. Yeah. 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 That's it. But I think that this song, um, is such a great sort of critique of his, role as a protest song singer while mm. also still being a protest song yeah. you know like it, i think yeah. there's a lot of really good self-reflection in it you know like this idea of like you know i'm going to talk about you know how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned like he's clearly making like some sort of anti-war sentiment here yeah but also like the answer is blown the wind the answer is blown wind. how many years can a mountain exist before it's washed to the sea um you know how many years can some people exist before they're allowed to be free i mean that's like that is punchy. How many, yeah. Think about that just on its own. How many years can some people exist before they're allowed to be free? I mean, thinking about that in terms of like talking about civil rights and, yeah. and Jim Crow and it's like, wow. Um, you know, and so, and but then did not give an answer. You know, the answer is blown yeah. away. I mean, it's, it's sort of nihilistic, but I, I love the song and I think it's sort of Dylan's. The other thing about Dylan is that everyone who's come after Dylan like his 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 used to you know has 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 used his music has copied him has yeah. tried to emulate him and anybody who says otherwise is like not honest with themselves at all. Oh, for sure, and, and, and I think a lot of artists aren't even aware of it because no, no. you know there there are so many Dylan there are so many songs that are in sort of the American pop you know catalog that you know, the casual music listener probably doesn't realize like, Oh, all along the watchtower is a Dylan song or, or any number of songs that, yeah, or even became like more famous. you know, to make you feel my love, you know, it's like, yeah. he even has these like pop songs that yeah. are like just so good. And I, I honestly think he's still making great records. His newest yeah. one is so good. Yeah. And to, to have that sort of longevity and, and influence is, I mean, he is the, and he also is probably the one that made folk music popular, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. It was sort of not a big like radio thing before that. And now, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of ubiquitous in the pop culture landscape. His, his yeah. influence is all over the place. Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? I think it's interesting you mission sort of the nihilism of blowing in the wind, but it's almost this hopeful nihilism in a weird way. Yeah. It's almost oh, like for sure. I don't know if this is a real adjective, but they're like ecclesiastical. Like there's sort of this yeah. like, you, you know, just contentment with what the the world is and trying to find a way to make maybe the world different, but knowing like if I don't do it, right, there's always going to be a time 
to mourn and a time to laugh. There's always th- those cycles are always going to be there, but maybe I can contribute some way to it leaning towards the side of being a little bit better, even if at the end it's all blowing. We're just dust, you know, like, right, right. The, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that, that's obviously you, you could spend a lot of time unpacking Dylan lyrics, but I feel like, oh, that that is this timeless sort of thing that I feel like a lot of people have thought about, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ecclesiastical is a great a great way to put it. Yeah, I strong agree. Well, I have uh, on my list at number three. Um, I think you mentioned you have this a number. It, it, my number three is this land is your land. Woody Guthrie. That you, did you say that's your number one, Drew? It's sort of tied for number one. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell but, you what. Why don't we? What, we can wait and unpack it till we get to the top of your list because okay, I feel like that. I feel like that's one of those songs where you just gotta wait, even if it's kind of midway. It is sort of the American folk song. I, I, even going back to Dylan, you know, Dylan was so influenced by Woody Guthrie. You know, I, oh, according to yeah. legend, visited sure. him bedside at the end of his life to you know yeah, yeah, uh, no kind of get some inspiration. So I'll hold off on, on we can unpack uh, this land is your land. What what's your number three, Drew? Uh, I'm going to go with the boxer, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, nice. Simon. Uh, dude, I'm glad that Simon and Garfunkel made your list. I think Paul Simon perfected folk music. Hmm. So I don't think there's anyone, uh, you know, in, in, in sort of the folk, you know, world who is as good at writing songs as Paul Simon. Yeah. Uh, I saw him play. Uh, on his farewell tour here in Nashville a couple of years ago. And it was totally transcendent. Um, everybody on stage, you know, playing various instruments, strings, horns, drums, percussion. Uh, it was the most human concert I've ever seen. No lights, no screen, just a, a bunch of musicians playing instruments, singing songs that are, and, and, and so many of these songs are just these timeless classics. Um, you know, but I think the boxer is his finest work. I think it's mm. the the narrative, the the desperation, and even sort of the like Whitman esque barbaric yop of the sort of a meaningless you know throwaway phrase. But there's so like all this sadness and and yeah. angst in it. Um, and you know, it's a song about the downcast, the outsider. Um, and then musically, it's just perfect. It's just like a yeah. perfectly written song. So, Paul Simon, the boxer. Asking only workman's wages, I come looking for a job, but I get no offers. Just to come on from the wars on 7th Avenue. I do declare there were times when I was so lonesome, I took some comfort there. La, 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 la. Yeah, dude, I, I love that choice. And I love too when the other and, and I know I said or this sounds contradictory to my to my statement about, you know, there not being a lot of space to hide in a good folk song. But I yeah. also feel like folk music can be forgiving to diff can be, I'll say welcoming to different levels of musicianship, right? Like you can have someone like a Dylan who uh obviously a great musician, a great songwriter, but isn't a very showy musician or even like you were mentioned with like the Leon Bridges cover kind of intentionally recorded kind of in a lo-fi type of way because like the sonic experience isn't really kind of the intention there. But with Paul Simon, 
you know, you look at like Graceland or some of the stuff he did later and you're like, dude, this guy is a master of just the sonic experience. And, you know, you know, trying to go for something and just nailing it with you knew that what he was going for, he was going to nail. And when you match that with the, uh, you know, the craft, the songwriting craft for of like kind of the uh, folk song like Boxer, I just feel like, man, it show it just shows how great Paul Simon really is, you know, and underrated, I think, for a lot of especially younger music fans, you know. I got to tell you the story about him. I'm going to look up the song real quick while, while, while I'm thinking about it. So a friend of mine, uh, okay. Yeah. So a buddy of mine got married like 15 years ago and their first dance was diamonds on the soles of her shoes and they dance, oh, yes. you know, that's a great thing. And then they go to this super remote place for their honeymoon somewhere. in I think it was Belize or, or Costa Rica. And this place only had like 10 rooms and it's kind of in the jungle. Yeah. And he said, um, he sits down at dinner the first night they get there. And again, there's only like 10 rooms. So there's only like 10 tables at this little place, the, the, the restaurant. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's Paul Simon. No way. And he's like, so he doesn't say anything. Just leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that night they hear someone playing guitar like outside. And they look yeah. and they like through the trees, they can see the next one over is Paul Simon and his wife, Edie Brickell. And he's just playing the guitar, you know singing a little bit and this goes on for like two nights and and then, yeah. and then at the the pool paul simon comes up to them to talk to them like hey you know we've seen you guys all all week like so what's your story like oh we're you're we're um uh we're on our honeymoon and actually this is kind of awkward but like your song was our first dance he's like oh really what song and da, da, da. so that night he played it through the trees for him no way <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's like ridiculous. <laughs> that is know. so cool, man. That, that's like literally out of a movie. Yeah, it's literally out of a movie. And Bob Dylan wouldn't have done that for a bajillion dollars. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons yeah. Paul Simon got a higher ranking than Dylan for me. Yeah. The humanity yeah. of the actual person. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, even on that, I don't know if you watch Dylan's like Netflix kind of pseudo documentary, like D- Dylan, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if I feel like there's a lot of dudes who have that friend who you hang out with and you never know if he's kind of messing with you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. sort of just detached and, and too smart for his own good is always kind of screwed around with people. I feel like that's how Dylan is all the time. You know, oh, he's, like, he's, yeah, we're all the butt of his joke. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. like I, had, I had a different friend that ran into him at a gas station, you no, know, of all places. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he sees this tour bus and it's like, yeah. oh, I wonder who's there. And he's walking yeah. to inside and he's, he's Dylan coming out of the gas station. Yeah. Walking towards the tour bus. And he goes, oh, Mr. Dylan, I hate to bother you. But and he goes, he said, Dylan just kept walking and goes, then don't. <laughs> but i almost feel like that's more satisfying than dylan being like hey great to meet you it's like totally, i would i'd be totally. almost disappointed if dylan <laughs> wasn't some crabby old weirdo you know yeah no he yeah he kind of has to live up to that right for yeah sure. well uh a great choice there for for number three my number two is um this is where where dolly dolly parton makes the list and i kind of feel like she yep. In that Venn diagram of sort of folk country crossover, I mean, a lot, a lot of her music is like right in the heart of that, especially her early work. Um, yeah, and yeah, like, for I, sure. And, and and such an important American artist, it's still like her career means so much to so many people. Um, and the, the song I picked was Coat of Many Colors, uh, which oh, man, is oh, just such a, a beautiful song. And it's so just quintessentially Dolly Parton. 
because yep. it manages to sound, it manages mm-hmm. to talk about really heavy stuff. In this case, poverty. You know, the the kind of narrative of the song is, um, you know, Dolly Parton's mother, th- her family doesn't have money for like a winter coat, so she takes yeah, kind of wash there, rags and. She, you know, kind of takes wash rags and various things around the house and sews them into kind of this colorful coat. And it's Dolly, it's young Dolly Parton's most prized possession, even though it was made out of desperation because they had no other materials. And she gets made fun of at school. And, you know, they, you know, this great line that says, now I know we had no money, but, uh, but I was as rich as I could be in my coat of many colors, mama made for me. And obviously there's some allusion to, to Joseph in the, in the coat of many, many colors, but it's really about, you know, in my mind about the dignity that, you know, can be found even in desperation, desperate circumstances, in this case, sort of Appalachian poverty, which is an issue that, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, I think the pandemic has kind of expedited, um, but is something that's come back into a national awareness. You know, I think the opioid crisis has had, uh, you know, a degree of impact on that. Uh, You know, like I said, my my grandmother grew up kind of in coal country in West Virginia, and I just feel like that spirit has been so, you know, what I think she captures in the song is like, for a lot of, there's a lot of people who've maligned poverty or maligned parts of the country that may be more rural or not have access to certain resources. But she's, you know, this song is really talks about the beauty of fortitude and kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, going to school with this coat and being laughed at for it. But for her, it's a sense of pride. It's like, hey, I don't have money, but what we have is more important than money. And Dolly is so great at that. I think she's done that in so many different ways through the course of her career is looked at the dignity of of circumstances that a lot of people would find undignified. And she's done it so beautifully. What's your relationship with kind of Dolly Parton's music, Drew? It'd be hard to respect her any more than I do. I, Ellie and I have seen her at the Ryman before. We get her books. She has this book program for children that it's an incredible... I mean, she's she's such a treasure uh she's been able to sort of stand up for you know the marginalized the the outcast in ways that don't feel like politicized which is really hard yeah. to do i also love her songwriting i mean she's one of the greatest songwriters um in the story that i think it was she wrote i will always love you and jolene on the same day man, man. i mean that's that's like yeah, it's, it's, it reminds me of the John Prine story where his first show was an open mic in Chicago, and he had four songs, and three of the four songs were "Angel from Montgomery," "Hello in There," and "Sam Stone." Mm. And so you're like, okay, so your first open mic, you re- you played three of the greatest like folk songs ever written. <laughs> yeah. It's like watching doing? Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan yeah, playing horse. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and. Re- quit you know yeah and i feel like yeah. dolly's in that it is in, this, in the same way her talent is just so prodigious and and, and her humanity is so great and yet she's also like this hilarious sort of cartoonish character yeah. and she embraces that yeah. so she's like very self-made in that way yeah yeah um, and I, I feel like in some ways the even talking about folk music there's like uh, there's so much sort of bs and mythology around like you know i'm actually reading this book right now about bourbon called bourbon empire and like okay. it's it's hilariously unpacking like the the false mythologies of all these brands and the like names yeah. and the so and so was the first 
person to make this or whatever. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of that in folk music as well. I mean, Dylan is not even a real person. Robert Zimmerman kid from, you know, like he's just this like self-made mythology thing. And Dolly somehow manages to do that, like with a wink and a nod to the irony. Yeah. And yet it still feels completely authentic. Yeah. And that's like, that's incredible, you know, because being an artist in general is sort of a weirdly dehumanizing experience Mm. um, because you start to kind of believe your own press, both good and bad. And, and she did that, but still managed to like come out on the other side. It's like this really unique version of, you know, who she is and and who, you know, I would say who God made her to be. So it's pretty cool. My coat of many colors that my mama made for me Made only from red, but I wore it so proudly Although we had no money, I was rich as I could be In my coat of many colors, mama made for me there's a great podcast called Dolly Parton's America. I've heard it. It's unbelievable. Oh, and, and it really goes to show. I, I, I especially loved how carefully and thoughtfully they showed what a what a diversely and widely loved person she is. You know, oh, and yeah. and how very few there are very few, much less. I'm not. I'm not talking artists. I'm talking about figure public Human figures beings. in general yeah. Yeah. yeah that you can unite so many people who are otherwise have nothing in common except for a yeah. love of dolly parton you know yeah i mean she can like record with like the biggest christian artist in the world this year for king and country yeah this huge hit and then at the same time like be miley cyrus's godmother you know it's yeah. just like yeah who else can pull off that sort of cultural swing you know. Yeah. Well, and she just gave like a million dollars to Van- I think it was Vanderbilt there in Nashville Vanderbilt to, uh, to figure out the vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a modern saint, just uh, on a short list of the coolest people in the world. So, yeah. uh, uh, Drew, who do you, who do you have at, at number two on your list, man? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and, and we'll go. Let's get, let's do this land is, is your land is my let's number two. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to me, the song is you know, at the top of the, at the close to the top of the list, because it is, it feels like a hymn, but it's not a hymn about necessarily religious stuff. It's a hymn about, you know, land and identity and belonging. And it's also aspirational um, in the sense that it's subversive. Like you think you're like, Oh yeah, this is like this. We are America. And then you read the words and you're like, huh? Okay. This is like, uh, he's like, he's kind of making some political statements here, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, this, this idea of like, sort of, it's a little anti-private property, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's like some of the, some of the verses like didn't have, haven't survived, you know, cause it's just a really long song if you sing all the verses, but there's like, there's two verses in particular. Um, as I went walking, I saw a sign there and on the sign, it said no trespassing, but on the other side, it didn't say nothing. That side was made for you and me. You know, it's like pretty, pretty awesome. Um, but I do think even regardless of like the political implications of the song, it, there's, there is like a sense of pride in it. Yeah. Take away the sort of subversive element of it. It's just kind of one of these, like, it asked this question. Who are we? What are we about? And it challenges the listener to do the same. So I think that's uh, one of the reasons it's resonated so much over the years. It's an, inv- it's an invitation, you know? 
Yeah, and it's not afraid to be. It's. It, I love songs too that aren't afraid to be intellectually combative, and yeah. you know, and 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 even. I mean, he would literally write on his guitar, "This machine kills fascists." You know, like right. it wasn't right. like he was. He wasn't afraid. Was it trying of, to hide his his uh, his point of view? Yeah. But yeah. but there's a weird like non preachiness to it too. Like there's because th- what's interesting I was reading the, you know about that song in particular is he'd written sort of a, verses that didn't make kind of the the final cut. But there's one uh, one bright sunny morning in the shadow of a steeple by the relief office I saw my people as they stood hungry. I stood there wondering if God blessed America for me. And it's like what an indictment you know on yeah. the 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 church on you know kind of uh, policy on just you know kind of the 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 the, the community neighbors, we like not yeah. taking care of our neighbors yeah yeah and it's like but he doesn't do it in a punch yourself punchers punch you in the face way it's yes, sort of a sing song yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah he turns it inward this land is your land and this land is my land from california to the new york island from the redwood forest Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Well, it's a great choice, and I feel like it, it could be number one on any any list of of incredible pop songs. But uh, we'll get to we'll get to our, our our formal number ones. This is this is where I was sitting on my Dylan song. Um, right. uh, and it, there, there's so obviously you could pick any Dylan song and, and make a strong case for it. Um, and I feel like a lot of people would disagree. I'm not even saying it's the best Dylan song, but it's certainly probably my favorite. And it's Tangled Up in Blue. Um, oh yeah, it's a it, great song. And it's a little less folky than some of his others. There's kind of a little more rock and roll element to it. Um, but I feel like this is a song where Dylan really kind of leaned into not a non-conventional approach to songwriting. Um, you know, obviously, like in songs like Hurricane, which is essentially the an audio form of like a modern biopic. You know what I right, mean? Like, right, right, I can tell right. this, this whole life story. I can... It, point out the social injustice in the course of four minutes and get you to right. know every beat of the story. We're tangled up in blue for people who haven't heard it. It's sort of this uh, love story that transcends sort of time and place. These two people keep kind of bumping into each other in these interesting circumstances, but the time is nonlinear. You're not sure when a certain uh, beat takes place and when another one does or where things took place. Like, it's sort of got that almost like this is probably a hacky reference, but that sort of Christopher Nolan-y element to it where yeah, it's yeah. a it's it's a puzzle that you're meant to solve while you're enjoying it as a piece of art, um, which sometimes could take you like decades. Oh, and, and I don't know if anyone has really cracked Tangled right. in, up in right. blue. It, it's just one of those songs, but it stands. But even if you strip all like kind of the Dylan weirdness away, right? Like it still works. It's just a great song, you know. Like it's it's catchy, it's romantic, it's a little cynical, but it's really sincere too. And she turned around to look at me as I was walking away. I heard her say over my shoulder. What's your experience kind of, uh, uh, you know, with, with Tangled Up in Blue in particular? Yeah, I mean, I, I love this song. It's one that, like, tr- trying to cover is, like, this huge bear of a project because there's so many words and there's, like, you know, all these, like, wonderful, you know, weird references, like, you know, live with them on Montaigne Street, you know, and, like, uh, mathematicians, carpenter wives, you know, it's, like, all these just, like, he, he, it's unbelievable how he's able to sort of grab 
you know, all these little pieces of, of, uh, of sort of lyrical inter- interest and turn them into a story. But, uh, I also think this song is important because it, it sort of, it sort of, to me is one of those songs that in the history of folk music sort of pushed the envelope hmm. and expanded the definition of what folk music is. Yeah. You know, from a musical point of view, I think it's sort of around that time that he, you know, went electric and all that kind of stuff. Uh, love the song. It's one that like, I'm, you know, like you said, you can hear it a million times and and it's, it's like, it's like a movie that you're, when you're flipping through the channels and you accidentally come upon a movie you love, yeah. and you're like, wasn't planning on watching this movie right now, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. it's on. So I'm going to watch it. And it's kind of yeah. like, that's, that's kind of how Tangled Up in Blue is for me. It's the Shawshank redemption of like yes. the, the, the equivalent <laughs> of like, if it's a Saturday afternoon and it's like, oh man, they, he just got to prison, but well, this is what I'm doing now. This is yeah, so rewatchable. It's the ultimate. Shawshank. Yeah, yeah it is that. That's a great reference. The yeah. the other thing I, I think is cool about this song, I feel like it's one of two great sort of living songs. Um, the first being Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, in that any artist that wants to tackle it is kind of because even Dylan recorded like three or four versions of it that you right. know sound very dissimilar, and he was known to change the lyrics, you know, periodic like. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point after he kind of was flirting with sort of uh, evangelicalism, you know, he changed the the line. She opened up a book of poems to she opened up the Bible and started quoting it to me. Like, it's one of those oh. songs where I feel like, again, like Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah has been reinvented a million times. But I feel like Tangled Up in Blues, one of those where artists kind of had the permission to play with it because Dylan right. played with it. You know, he was always changing it. I like the idea of living songs. and I don't feel like any genre other than the folk genre really welcomes that a- as much as artists like, you know, that's a great, that's a great observation. Yeah. I think that's true. That may be like the, one of the defining characteristics of, uh, of folk music. Yeah. I like that idea. Living song. Yeah. You know, I, ironically, I feel like sort of Kanye's done that to a degree where he'll, you know, like life of Pablo was sort of a living album, you know, he would release the, he would release it and then keep working on it and keep tweaking. And it's like, Oh, I, Dylan kind of started that by this idea of like, Oh, I'll release it, but it's never done. You know, it's always going to keep kind of, well, and even along those lines. So, uh, this morning I, I texted a good friend of mine, catch Secor from old crow medicine show, Mm. you know, and, he's a great example of this, uh, even the idea of a living song. So he, the story with wagon wheel is that he found like in a book or somewhere like these, these, these like thrown away Dylan lyrics. Hmm. Right. And then he wrote wagon wheel using a bunch of those lyrics and then wrote his own chorus, you know, or maybe, maybe the chorus was the the part that he found. Yeah. I think the chorus was the Dylan okay. part. And then he added all the verses and he was like 18, didn't understand anything about publishing and all this. And like, yeah. like, it's like, yeah, I wrote the song, kind of wrote it with Bob Dylan. And and it gets back to Dylan and he approves basically the co-write, oh, wow. you know. And again, this idea of a living song. I mean, those words have been written 60s or 70s, yeah. maybe even earlier. And, you know, Catch found them as a kid and as a curious songwriter, but it's puts it together. It becomes like this huge song for for his band, Old Crow. And now it's like this huge country hit with Darius Rucker. And yeah. You know, it all started as like some throwaway chorus in Dylan's back pocket. So, yeah, you know, all of this music is like is ever evolving and changing, which is yeah. I think is awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it it keeps it alive, you know. So, yep. uh, so no pressure here. I mean, you've had uh, we've talked about a lot of great artists. I feel very and, confident about what I'm about to say. Okay, all right, let's hear. Let's hear the number no, one. No, all right, fear. let's hear. Yeah, no the pressure. Number one yeah. folk song 
of all time okay is amazing grace mm. speaking of living songs living it's like the ultimate living song there yeah. are probably 5000 versions and you can do it in r&b you can do it in like black gospel you can do it in southern gospel you can do it as a folk song you can do it as like this cold play-esque yeah. Whatever that stuff is that they do. Yeah, that sonic know, sort of yeah. sonic wall of whatever. Change the yeah. melody, which I don't like it when they do that, but by the way, yeah. they change the melody. But uh it's but it's also this just like incredible sing. So like any I've seen it happen in like a rock show at the Ryman where like the artist stops and sings Amazing Grace at the end of the at the end of the show, or I've seen it like, you know, at a funeral where it just kind of breaks out. Yeah. Uh, it's the ultimate like song to bring out at any moment where you need solidarity, you mm. know, yeah, like yeah. in the room, uh, regardless of whether people view it as like a Christian hymn or not, which it obviously was written as a Christian hymn. And it is that it also has taken on this whole other life as just like, this is how you say goodbye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To each other. It's like, let's just like, you know, at some sort of gathering or let, this is how we bless the meal or how we, you know, send someone off to, to war, or welcome someone back from war. I mean, it's like yeah. the song has a million different lives and meanings, you know? And so I, uh, I'm going to categorize it as a folk song because I think that every other folk song has probably like taken cues from amazing grace. Yeah. And, and it circles back to a couple of those things we were talking about earlier, the themes of like absolution, the themes of of community, um, yep. and even I feel like Amazing Grace as a song has that thing that Dolly Parton has as a, like a person where it's universally loved. Like you said, it doesn't totally. matter what genre you like. It doesn't matter where you're from. It honestly, it doesn't even really matter. Uh, I think I don't want to speak for too many other people, but I feel like it has now been uh, embraced by communities outside of just you know churchgoers. Like Amazing sure. Grace oh, is just sure. this beloved sort of american artifact do you have a favorite version mm. i know that's probably a t i'd had to like i don't even know Man, how many I would versions have to do there some are research yeah. like but let me just like think about it like with a quick yeah if i, if do I recognize any of the ones that are like that come up you know real quickly on yeah on, on a search I will um, say this while, while you're looking at sort of the formal studio ones, one of the great things about Amazing Grace is it's a great impromptu live. It doesn't matter who the artist is. It's like, oh, they're, they're starting to play Amazing Grace. Everyone just kind of jumps in, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the most moving time I've ever seen it performed um, right after the Charleston mm. mass shooting where the, the white supremacist kid killed all the black parishioners at a prayer meeting. Um, yeah. At the funeral, uh, President Obama was giving the eulogy, and uh, he just kind of stopped silently and kind of gathered himself, and then just started singing the song. Yeah, and it was like the whole crowd stood up and started singing with him, and they were all like weeping, and um, it was just like overwhelmingly emotional, you know, knowing yeah. what had happened, and then and then like he's not a great singer by any shape yeah. of the imagination, you know. Um, but also just like, what a great way to honor, uh, the sort of communal loss of like people through a devastating violence like yeah. that. You know, I thought it was really powerful. Amazing grace, how sweet 
Yeah, I mean, is it, arguably one of the hallmarks of his presidency, you know? Yeah, no you know, doubt. That moment, you know, in terms of just yeah, pure moments, sure. you know, not not policy, yeah. but just, you know, a human moment. The other yeah. thing that I, I, I think is interesting about Amazing Grace in particular, there's few songs that just have the power to heal, right? Like, I feel yeah. like when Amazing Grace comes on, it is healing in audio form. It might not be permanent healing, but it's at least that bit of relief. Like you said, you hear it at a funeral, even if it's on like bagpipes or something, you know, it's like just for a minute, can we lean into this and just be okay with what grief sounds like and feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, life might be hard, but while amazing grace is playing, we can all share this thing and kind of know, okay, there's been a million other people who have sung this at a funeral and there's going to be a million other people that come after again, sort of almost that nihilistic type of thing. But for a moment, we can share this. And I, there's few songs that, that has the power to do that, like Amazing Grace does. Yeah, I don't think that. I, I think it's in a league of its own, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a universally beloved song that can sort of uh, create a soft landing in a million different situations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was a fantastic choice. Now I feel bad about picking Tangle Up in Blue for my number one. Because I'm like, Amazing Grace is such a better choice. <laughs> the president sung it. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, Drew, man, this was so much fun. And I want I want definitely people to, to they can follow you on Instagram at Drew Holcomb Music and on Twitter at Drew Holcomb. Because tell me about that real quick, the Neighborly Christmas uh, show that's coming up. Definitely want people to check that out. What, what yeah. do they need to know? Well, it's actually we already recorded it and and sort of released it, so it's it's more like an on demand thing on our website. Okay, cool. You can just go and rent it, and it, if you if you rent it um, now, it lasts through like January sixth, so oh, nice. you can watch it, you know, once or twice or ten times. You put it on while you're decorating your tree or uh, yeah. have, a, have a date night or whatever. So that's a, that's at drewholcomb.com, and it's called Neighborly Christmas, and it's a show that we've done in nashville for like over a decade but obviously because of covid we're not doing it in person this year so we decided to sort of spread it with the whole world so anybody can go watch it um yeah and then you know we're uh planning on uh getting back out there next year when when time allows in the meantime we're probably release a little bit of new music sometime next year as well Awesome. Well, definitely uh, encourage people to check it out and go back to, you know, Dragons is still such a great album. Um, Drew, Thank man, you. I really appreciate uh, not just you coming on the show but, and breaking down some, some really great music, but for, for the music that you've released, man, I, like I said, I've really enjoyed it and looking forward to seeing what's coming down the pipe, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. Absolutely. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, 
leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.